Yeah, we, we, we've been praying and really expecting, and we've got a team back in the UK praying for this time, that there would be just a fresh wave of God. There would be a stirring, and it, it would be a moving forward in God, going from glory to glory. And uh, so we're trusting that the Spirit of God is going to give us words, and I'm, I'm very nervous as I stand here, I'll be honest, because I just know the gravity of what he wants to do. It's God's will that each one of us offers acceptable sacrifices unto him. You know, if we, uh, let me read that in 1 Peter 2 verse 5. And so what we want to do is we want to learn what is pleasing to the Lord. And as you sow to the Spirit, you reap from the Spirit. The Spirit brings the reality of Jesus. We have access to the Father through the Spirit in, the, you know, in Christ Jesus. So 1 Peter 2, let me get there. Verse 5 says this. And this is the message to us as church. We never to forget this. Never take the things of God for granted. But allow Him to bring fresh energy and fresh revelation, fresh wonder, fresh love every day. I've lost count of the years that I've walked with the Lord. But today I'm as excited, if not more, because of the revelations that come um, about the fact that I'm a Christian. And you know, what happens, unfortunately, we, we moved to England probably about 17 years ago. And I would virtually drive down the road. I would stop outside a building and say, wow, look at that, thousand years old. You know, who's heard such a thing? Coming from South Africa, we go back 500 years. And there's a thousand-year-old building. That was built by the Normans. They were walking around in armor and bows and arrows and swords. And, and there's even older buildings than that. And then gradually, as the years went by, I would just drive past sort of look at something spectacular, I thought. But I've noticed that recently I just go where I'm going and uh, everything's just normal. And I never, ever, ever want to be like that with Jesus and with the things of God. We have a wonderful inheritance in God. And we have such riches. You know, when you look at the Word of God, and it tells us in 1 Corinthians 2, it says the Spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. And he's given us so that we can understand what God has so lavishly, generously, freely bestowed on us. And I think, wow. And the one we spoke about last time, which Alan loves, Ephesians 3 verse 20 which says he's able to do beyond what we ask, think, or even imagine according to his mighty power at work in us. So come on, let's up our game. And it's not that we've got to do it. We've just got to look into the Word. Because when, when, when you read the Word, you know, it says in 2 Corinthians 3.18, it says when you look into the Word, it's like beholding in a mirror the glory of God. What are you seeing? You've seen yourself as God sees you. And what happens is, as you look and you say, wow, is that me? You see, the Word is not a, not a set of rules for us to live. It's that we can see the glory of God in, in, in the call in our lives and who we are in Christ. We are glorious beings, the church. It says, as He is, so are we in this world. 
we're glorious. We're a glorious church. But we've got to look and see what we are. And as you look, you make the adjustments, and that word comes back. And as we know, it says we are transformed by the renewing of our mind, by the word. So there's going to be some shifts over, and I'm just trusting, believing, we're going to be shifting into a liberty, into a freedom, into a place of revelation in God. And I'm trusting that God will bring this. I'm just the, the, the vessel, you're the, the means of delivery, the messenger boy. So I'm trusting this is what God is going to do for each one of you. So you've got to reach out and say, I'm ready. I'm ready to receive. I'm ready. I'm ready to be changed. Because the word transforms us. Okay, let me get back to my text. I go off on a big preach. Come and like living stones, be built into a spiritual house. And the amazing thing is we see each other. Just look for the glory of God in each other. Okay, so a consecrated priesthood to offer up those spiritual sacrifices that are acceptable and pleasing to God through Jesus Christ. Now, the, the context of what we're going to be doing is sort of looking at prayer. But understand, worship's the same thing. Worship is a sacrifice to God. It's pleasing. And if you read Psalm 141, it, it speaks about David lifting up hands you know, and releasing the incense. Well, let me read it. Um, the, inc- the incense of prayer. And this is an incense that, that arises before the throne of God. You know, in, in the uh, tabernacle of Moses, the priests had to burn incense. They couldn't go into the presence of God without incense. We're seated in him. So we're in his presence. So we're going to speak about some of these things. Um, where am I going? Psalm 141. Just to give you just a brief intro to what wonderful people we are. Not because of anything in ourselves, but because he's in us. And he's made us that. Look at Psalm 141. Paul, uh, uh, Paul, David. David writes, Lord, I call upon you. Hasten to me. Give ear to my voice when I cry to you. Let my prayer be set forth as incense before you. The lifting up of my hands at the evening sacrifice. And you just think of 1 Timothy 2.8, where Paul speaks about how men ought, ought always to pray without quarreling, lifting up holy hands. So, we to offer those acceptable and pleasing uh, sacrifices to God, things uh, that are acceptable to Him. And just verse 9, um, and this is a fact. This is not something you believe for. This is a fact. It says, you are a chosen race. Fact. Done. Right, that's who you are as you sit here. A dedicated nation, God's own purchased special people, that you may set forth the wonderful deeds and display the virtues and perfections of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people at all, but now you are God's people. Once you were unpitied, but now you are pitied and have received mercy. And another word for that, uh, for, for mercy, when you look at the original, the original Greek, is kindness. I like kindness. You know, Bartimaeus shouting out, Son of David, have mercy on me. He was saying, Son of David, show me kindness. 
That's what he was crying out. And God is kind. Okay, so let's get into this. What, what we want to do is we want to start addressing... Um, I, I don't know where you are. I haven't been to prayer meetings. So I'm just going to speak generally about stuff that I've seen as I've traveled. And if it fits, make the adjustment. That's all. Because we want to line up with God's Word. The Word is glorious. And all it's doing is it's, it's pointing us to the right place. You see, sin, the word sin is defined, it means to miss the mark. So we don't go to God saying, Oh, I'm a sinner, Lord, have mercy. No, no, we say, Lord, I've been studying your word because that's how we become conformed to Christ. It says he's given us everything. One, uh, 2 Peter 1 verse 3. Everything is ours that pertains to life and godliness through the knowledge of Christ. And you've got to dig in the word. You've got to. Christians, we have to dig in the word. The word is life. We're told to dig in the word. You, you look at Proverbs um, 4 verse 20 and it, uh, God says, he says clearly, attend to my word. Incline your ear unto my sayings. You know, let it not depart from your eyes. Keep it in the midst of your heart. Why? It's life to all who find it and healing to all their flesh. So if we've seen lots of sickness around, I, I've got to say, people, we need to be more attentive to the things of God. Anyway, so the Word of God, as we dig in it, and as we look at it, as we look at it, it adjusts us. It's not a word of condemnation. It's a word of hope and glory. That's why it says, the Word is a lamp to my feet. It doesn't say, the Word is, is, is the sword hanging over me to chop me if I do something wrong. No, it's a light. So the idea of the Word for us, the newcomer, this is a love letter from God. He's saying, this is who you are. As you look at it, this Word is living and active. This Word is spirit and life. And it, it, it speaks into your spirit. It energizes, it causes your desires to line up with the will of God. It's powerful. Do you know, um, Paul, just to show you again, if you look in Acts 20, when Paul was with the Ephesian elders, just while we just mentioned things about the Word, look what he says to them about the Word. Acts 20, and we're going to go to uh, verse 32. This is what he says as he's leaving them for the last time. He says, Brethren, I commit you to God. I deposit you in His charge, entrusting you to His protection and care. And I commend you to the Word of His grace. The Word, capital letters. Who's the Word? Jesus. So in a way, as we feed on the Word, Christ is actually being formed in us because that Word is Spirit. We've got to see the supernatural aspect of the Word. The Word, you, you think of... Um, Hebrews 4 verse 12, it says that the Word of God is living and active, sharper than a two-edged sword. It divides asunder soul and spirit, joints and marrow, and it sifts and searches out the motives of your heart. And what it's doing, it's not, again, not judgment. It's just showing you, oh, you know, you, you might have a motive there that's not really godly, and, and because you're a son of God, 
this is how my children behave. And you say, oh, I see that, Lord, yes. And I shift and I line up with the word. And it penetrates and it changes me and it molds me and it molds me and it transforms and transfigures me, changes me into the image of Christ. So that's why we've got to search out the word. We've got to dig in it and we've got to become Christ-like more and more through the word. Okay, so that's why we're going to look at the word and we're going to digest the word. So um, we're going to just start having a look now in terms of the sacrifices. There's two things that we see that are going on in in, in the throne room. And um, when you look in Revelation 5 and and verse 8, and we, we spoke a bit about this at your house the other night. We were with the worship leaders. But... There, there's an angel standing before the throne of God, and he's got, a, he's got a, 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 a bowl in the one hand, and he's got a harp in the other hand, and he's, he's got incense in that bowl. Which, and it says, these are the prayers of the saints. Now, that is incense that's acceptable to God. That's incense that's valued. So when we start seeing prayer as probably the, the greatest privilege, worship, Prayer, they go together. He's got a harp and a bowl. It's the greatest privilege we've got because it changes atmospheres. And we're going to be looking tomorrow, we're going to, we're going to look at why pray. What actually happens when we pray? But we've got to pray prayers that are acceptable to God. You see that? Because that's what he wants, acceptable sacrifice. And that's part of our priestly function as priests and kings. So I'm going to have a look. We've got some workbooks, and I'm going to uh, leave some of those with Alan, but there's not time to even really do much of this, so people are going to have to work through them afterwards. So we spoke in, in the program that tonight was going to be the shift. Shift. My wife's a teacher. I'm a preacher. So, <laughs> so I really battled to, to work off her notes. I really do, because I prefer not to have notes and just to let the Lord take me as I go. But uh, we've got a definition here for you. So I'll read it to you. Okay, so the definition of shift. So she had a look and she said, it's a verb. So she's an English teacher too, that's even worse. So to move or cause to move from one place to another. To move around to change your position, especially because one is nervous or uncomfortable. Okay, well, we're not like that. It's because we are eager, because we want to, uh, we want to move forward in the things of God. You know, we did dog training, as did Paul and Allison, and um, we had a German shepherd, and he literally, you know, we'd, we'd put him in position, and I shared this story, didn't I? We'd put him in position, uh, uh, if I went to the shop, I'd leave him outside. And then I'd walk off, and he was told to stay. So he would sit, and he would look expectantly when I came past, like I'm going to say, okay, heal, yeah? And I wouldn't. I would just walk off. And uh, he would lie there, obedient, but he would lie there shivering and shaking with his ears looking at me like this, and uh, almost like saying, hey, what about me, sort of thing, and and then it was a game we played. I would walk down the road back to our house. And we lived, I don't know, about 400 yards. 400 meters, I'm speaking meters because I'm with metric here. Um, 400 meters down the road. And uh, then when I thought I was far enough away and he'd really have to run, I'd shout, 
okay, like that. And he would come as fast as he could run. Oh, it used to re- I used to get so excited when I watched him running like that. And in the scriptures, if you go to Psalm uh, 119, verse 130, and 100, but the main one is 131. Just, yeah, yeah, that's exactly. Let's, let's see what David's, um, David's uh, I think it's a Psalm of David. Look what he writes. Psalm 119, 130 is the thing about the word. It says, the entrance and unfolding of your words give light. Their unfolding gives understanding, discernment, and comprehension to the simple. That's me. That's what I need. I need the wisdom of God, not the wisdom of the world. But look at the next verse. I opened my mouth and I panted with desire. I longed for your commandments. What an inspiration. What an inspiration. God, we want... We don't want intellectual regurgitation of what's written in, on the pages of a book. We want the living, active Word of God, the rhema Word, which is the sword of the Spirit. That's what we want. Father, we long for your Word. We long for your Word. It fills us. It floods us. It heals us. It conforms us to Christ, molds us into His image. It brings wisdom and understanding. So, let's move on. So, shift is to change your focus, to move from one place to another. Okay, she's got all English definitions here. Okay, so uh, what I want to talk about now is just some of the mindsets that we have. You know, 2 Corinthians 10, verse uh, 3, and, and going on 4, it speaks about, it says, the weapons of our warfare are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. And unfortunately, we, even as, Christ, even as Christians, we have strongholds and patterns of thinking, and God can move us beyond that. That's why that Ephesians 3 verse 20 is so challenging. He's able to do beyond what we ask, think, or even imagine. We limit the Word of God. So I want to break some of those, uh, some of those mindsets just as we look at what the Word says. And the idea is tonight, we, uh, I'm going to take you to a place where you're going to say, well, Father, if it's in the Word, I'm ready for it. And if it's in the, in, the, in the Word and I have to shift more to line up with what's written in the Word as I look into that mirror of the glory of God and I see what I am, I'm shifting to line up with what you're doing in my life. So that's the aim that we're going to do. And I'm trusting by the grace and power of God and the Word of God that this is going to happen so that tomorrow we can start looking at a different way of doing things. All right, so here we go. Okay, the first thing I want to um, address is that thought, that pattern of thinking, God is far away and the heavens are like brass. You know, I've got to pray to break through, say, so he hears me. And then people quote you know, Daniel 9 where the prince of Persia withstood the, uh, the angel that was coming to give the message to Daniel. Oh, yes, you know, the devil hinders our prayers. and This is a hard place, and, and we've really got to pray to break through. Is, have we heard that? Okay. Now consider this. You are seated in him 
in heavenly places. You are right next to the Father. You see, in the days of the old covenant, they weren't in God. God wasn't in them. We are the temple of God. So there's no distance. You know, I, I, I imagine John at the Last Supper leaning over onto Jesus' chest and, and listening to the beating of his heart and just being intimate and close to him. We can do the same. We're in him. Just rest your head on him. Just you know, take time and just say, Lord, I just want to rest my head on you. And, you know, I do that. And I, it's because I've, I've practiced imagination, you know, because... You have to use your imagination because the, the Bible says uh, in, in, in 2 Corinthians 4 verse 18, it says, look not to what is seen, but look to the unseen. For what is seen is temporary and subject to change, but what is unseen is eternal. So how do you see things that are unseen? It's talking about things you can't see with your natural eyes. But you can see them with sanctified imagination. You see, imagination can work with information. I can tell you to, well, imagine a brown dog or a pink dog with uh, you know, white spots or something like that. You can do that. How much more when we get the information of the word? How much more when we're getting that truth? The word is truth. It's penetrating our spirits. It's penetrating our minds. It's easy just to take the word and say, what does that look like? And allow the Holy Spirit to show you. He will take, remember in John 16 when Jesus spoke, he said, when the Spirit comes, he will take from what is mine and make it known to you. Now, when I get stuff or get given stuff, I like to take it and I like to look at it and inspect it and I like to see how it works and you know, maybe read the instructions as to what to do with it. It, don't you think the things of God are the same, that he wants you to look at it, inspect it, enjoy it, see how it works? That's going to happen through the instruction, through the word of God, the wisdom of God. So I tell you this, God is not far away. You are seated in him. So let's break that mindset. I've, got to, I've really got to pray now to, uh, to, to break through so that God will hear my prayer. Okay. Dong, that one's gone, right? Stronghold broken. Agreed? Okay. So uh, there's no barriers from God. I mean, like another one, there was people singing songs. Oh, rend the heavens and come down. <laughs> you know? no, okay, I'll finish at that point. All right. Approaching prayer intellectually. Oh, well, I've got to research. I've got to see all the facts. And I've got to now work out uh, what is a good approach, and then I can pray. So we've got people researching and doing all kind of stuff, looking at history and this and that, and prayer is an intellectual exercise. Well, Ephesians 3 verse 20 blows that one out the water straight away because he's able to do beyond what we ask, think, or even imagine. You agree? So if you only can think so much, that limits you from being having the full potential of your status in God and in Christ. And you know that Christ, the power of God, is in you. And Ephesians 2 verse 10 speaks about how we complete. It says we too are filled with the Godhead. And it's saying Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Wow, the potential in us. 
You know, greater is he that is in me than he that's in the world. This is potential. That's what I, I want to work at God's potential. I don't want to work in my human, human intellect. Let's work with the mind of Christ. In, in uh, 1 Corinthians 2, is it, verse 16, it says, you have the mind of Christ. There is huge, unlimited potential available to us if we will go beyond intellect. So there's nothing wrong with finding out facts, but say, God, I want to I, I pray. I want to exercise my faith, and I, I, I want to tap into that potential of God that is beyond what, as a human, I can ask, think, or even imagine. And I want to allow the mighty power of God to work in me. That's good prayer. That changes prayer from boring. You know, some of the, 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 the least attended meetings in the church are the prayer meetings because they're boring. I don't like going to prayer meetings if they like that. They're boring and they're devoid of life. I want to go to prayer meetings like in Acts 4 where the believers went upstairs and they prayed and when they'd finished praying, the place was shaken like that. And uh, next minute, they're all filled with the Spirit. They're out on the streets. Peter's shadows healing the sick. Now we're talking prayer meetings. And twice we've had the room shaken. I've had that happen to me twice. That can happen to you. That's good prayer meeting. You don't want to miss the prayer meeting because you might miss out on what God's doing or saying and the glory of God. Because do you know what Jesus is doing right now? He's praying. So it's like we are joined to him. 1 Corinthians 6.17 says, if you join yourself to the Lord, you're one spirit with him. Jesus is praying in heaven right now. And what he does, we do. You know, it's, if I come across there and shake your hand, you say, oh, John shook my hand. You don't say, John's fingers shook my hand and his hand and his thumb gripped my hand. No, no, we're the body of Christ. What he's doing and what we're doing are the same thing. You know, you think of um, Paul on the road to Damascus, or Saul as he was called then. He's, he's cruising along the road, and um, he gets to a place, and you know what he's going to do? He's going to persecute and imprison and uh, cause havoc amongst the believers. Anyway, he, he gets to a place. Next month, this bright light appears. It's the Lord in his glory. Paul falls to the ground and he says, Who are you, Lord? He asks the question and answers it within the same time because it's such a glorious, he knows who it is. And, and you know what Jesus says to him? He says, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? No, but Jesus is in heaven. How can Saul be persecuting the Jesus? Who's he persecuting? The body. He's persecuting his body. If you punch me on the shoulder, I say, why did you hit me? I don't say, why did you hit my shoulder? Not so. We are the body of Christ. One and the same. Members of Christ. You know, it's, it's so, I know it almost sounds blasphemous, but Paul writes in the scriptures in 2 Galatians uh, verse 20, he says, I am crucified in Christ, yet I live. He says, but not I. It's Christ in me who lives. And he says, the life I live in the flesh. I live by the faith 
of the Son of God. That's the correct interpretation. Faith is God's faith. We have God faith. Because it's God's word and faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word. Whose word? His word. So do I have to have my faith? No, I receive faith that comes by the word. Anyway, that's a different subject. I've got to watch out for rabbit trails. Okay, so... We're not going to approach prayer on an intellectual basis only. So we're gonna, tomorrow we're going to look at how we position ourselves to pray with God. And then He's involved in the prayer with us. You know, if you think of worship, when we worship, it says, you know, the Lord, is, God is spirit, the Father is spirit, and He desires worship in spirit and in truth. We have to worship in the spirit. So there's just this amazing process in praise and worship. And I know you guys are worshipers. I mean, I just experienced worship with you. How you can go, sometimes you can just go straight into worship. But sometimes it takes a little while to to just turn our mind and fix it on God. And so we need to praise, and we need to praise some vigorous songs and some inspiring songs. And what happens is, we go from praise to high praises. You think of Psalm 149, where it speaks about the high praises of God and the two-edged sword in our hand. And that's just wonderful, Psalm 149. And that's where you want to stamp and you want to shout with victory, you know, those, those shouts of the Lord. The ruah. That's inspiring. And then you go into that place of such intimacy and such worship in the holiness in the, the reverence, in the, in the glory. It's a different place. You see that? You can't say praise is worship and worship is praise. You know that. It's not. And it's interesting how we get there. We harmonize. We, we, we make a symphony. And, you know, it says in, um, in, in Matthew 18, verse, uh, I think it's 18, it's 18 and 19, it says that, where two or three agree together, you know, it's done for them. And the Greek word is the same word that we get symphony from, make a symphony, harmonize. It's like musical. And we've learned that in praise and worship. Now we need to learn that in prayer. Okay, so where am I? Which point? All right, so we finished about intellectual stuff. All right, the next thing is pleading and begging. Oh God, please... God, this guy, he's such a good guy, Father. Oh, he really deserves you to, to, to move and to help him. And Father, please, just please just do that for us. Have mercy on him and his family. Have you heard people pray like that? That's not how we to pray. Okay, because God has had mercy. And we don't need to ask for mercy. We are dispensers of, of the power of God. God has told us, you know, all authority is given me in my name. Go. And you can read Matthew 28 verse 15 where Jesus speaks about that. So we don't plead and beg. We approach boldly. Read Hebrews 10:19 onwards where it says, Come boldly to the throne of grace. Come by the new and living way open for you. We are priests and kings of God. And the funny thing is, you know, I imagined it was still in the, I, I, I wrote a book about this and it was when uh, David Cameron was still uh, Prime Minister in England and I said imagine the ambassador comes from some country and he's 
come to meet the Prime Minister to find out what's going on and what he needs to be saying. And he crawls in, in the door and puts his, his, his head on David Cameron's feet and says, Oh, David, David. So I'm, thank you, you can see me. And, oh, please tell me you know, what you're thinking. And all. I mean, that would be ludicrous. And God doesn't like it when we plead and beg. He says, come boldly. Come boldly. So there's no pleading and begging uh, as, as priests of king. And, you know, something else that, that, that I see is people praying the Lord's Prayer. And that's a great prayer. But it's Old Covenant. Because... If, if we just have a look, or oh, maybe some people get upset now. Just turn to John 16. It, but it's good we know these things. It's good we know these things. Okay, so we'll just read a couple of uh, places. In, 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 uh, okay, I'm, I'm in John 15. I'm not in John 16. All right. Jesus is speaking. I'm just, uh, I'll comment on verse 21 down. And he's saying, you know, He'll be leaving and there'll be a time of sorrow and distress and all, all the rest. Okay? But then he says in verse 22, I will see you again and then your hearts will rejoice. And no one can take from your joy your delight and gladness. Well, what's the kingdom? The kingdom is righteousness, peace and joy. We're in that time now because the kingdom's ours. And he says in verse 23, When that time comes, you will ask nothing of me. So we don't pray, oh Jesus, please can I have this or that or the other. Um, he says, you will ask nothing of me. Assuredly, most solemnly I tell you, my Father will grant whatever you ask in my name. Up to this time you have not asked a single thing in my name. So this was after the, the Lord's Prayer. Do you see what I'm saying? Okay. So the, the Lord's Prayer in, in Matthew 6 is long before this. This is as he's preparing to go, right at the end of his ministry. He says, up to this time you have not asked a single thing in my name as presenting all I am. But now ask and keep on asking and you will receive that your joy may be full. And look at verse 26. At that time you will ask and pray in my name. I am not saying I will ask the Father on your behalf, for it's not necessary. For the Father himself tenderly loves you because you have loved me and have believed that I came from the Father. It's so clear. We ask in the name of Jesus. And if you look at 1 John 5, 14. So let's get this, let, let's get this right. Let's do it the way. Remember, we've got to offer acceptable sacrifices to God. He's not going to say... Oh, these poor things. You know, that, that's a bit of a rubbish sacrifice, but I'll just accept it because they don't know better. I don't want to be like that. I want to be so um, reverent and respectful of the Father that I will say, Father, I'm making it my duty to find out what is acceptable. I'm not going to just add a sloppy little prayer and throw it up to you. You know, he's the Lord of glory. It's like I say to the brethren in, in England. I say, so you, you get an invite from the queen to come and present your petition to her um, and she's going to grant you one thing that you ask her. So you're going to go and ask her to find your auntie's dog? No, I don't think so. You're going to go there. You're going to be trained in protocol. 
You're going to be trained to stand up and sit down. You're going to be trained when to speak and when not to speak, to only answer and not to you know, offer your opinion. You're going to treat her you know, like protocol says treat her. Now the father is much greater than the queen. And we see people offering sloppy prayers. So I've decided, wow, I'm, I'm, I'm just going to be so conscious of the fact that it's a privilege and an honor to, to pray. And then to, uh, let me find 1 John 5, 14. And, and present a worthy prayer. And you will present a worthy petition if you, some English you know, lady or guy that uh, has been given access to the queen. Look at verse 14. 1 John 5 verse 14. This is the confidence, the assurance, the privilege of boldness which we have in him. See, boldness, again, it's bringing up the confidence. When you're confident, you move forward with purpose. You're confident. You're looking for a good outcome. You're confident. You're a positive person. So we have confidence. We have boldness which we have in him. We are sure that if we ask anything, make any request according to his will, in agreement with his plan, he listens to us and hears us. And since we positively know that he listens to us in whatever we ask, you've got to ask the right stuff, and I'll comment on that now, we also know with settled and absolute knowledge we have granted us as our present possessions the requests made of him. Man, I like that prayer. Not so. So what is it? It says the confidence we have is if we ask anything according to his will. We find out what has he given us. You see, the Bible speaks about this inheritance we have. You can see it in Ephesians 1 when you read through the the, the beginning of Ephesians 1. You can see it in Romans 8. We are co-heirs with Christ. So what is it we have? Well, let's find out. Find out. Can you imagine if one of you had a parent or some relative that died and left you a big estate and uh, there was notice given you, you have an estate, could you go and see the lawyer so he can explain the estate to you? Well, we have an advocate, a lawyer, he's the Holy Spirit. That's what Jesus called him. He said, I will send you another comforter, counselor, intercessor, strengthener, standby, advocate, helper. So we have, we have a lawyer and he takes from what is his and makes it known to us. He shows us what's in the estate. But imagine if this lawyer contacted you, I'm talking in the natural now, and you said, oh, I just haven't got time for that. I'm busy, I'm busy, I'm I'm busy, Uh, I've got my tea parties and I've got work and I've got sport and and I've got my TV, and I just haven't got time to go and find out what this is about. And I've got to work on my car, and you know, all this stuff that clutters up our lives. That's why God says, pay attention, anyway. And you never bothered. That would be both an insult to the person that had taken all that time to prepare this legacy for you, and it would be, it's just an insult to that person, the father. It cost Jesus his life our inheritance. So we must find out. And when we find out what it is he's given us, 
you can see it as if he's taken a huge deposit and put it in a bank account. This bank account's in heaven. And we have to learn how to access it. So your natural lawyer, let's say you do go and find out what your, um, your legacy is, and, oh, there's a sum of uh, 2 million rand that's been put, uh, made available to you, and that's transferred from uh, whoever's estate is, and it's put in your bank account. Now you've got all this money in your bank account. You, you've got a full right to go and request of the teller at the bank, please, can I have some money? And this is what God is saying, the same thing. And if the teller says no, you say, I'm going to speak to your manager. Who's your manager? What's his name? And you will enforce your right to get what is now legally yours. Now, it's the same with God. We find out what's in that estate. Well, if you read Ephesians 1 verse 3, it says, He has blessed us with every blessing. Every blessing in Christ Jesus. Any blessing you can see in this Bible is yours. Any blessing to any person. Because every blessing, everyone, is given us. Look, look in 1 Corinthians 2. Let's just go there. I wasn't going to go there, but let's go there. See, I think this point can do with a bit of working. 1 Corinthians 2. I, I just find this amazing. Okay, verse 11, we, we, we won't read. I mean, it, it says, if you read the whole passage from verse 9 on, it says, eye has not seen, ear has not heard. You know, just the great things that God has prepared for us who love Him. And, um, well, it says in verse 10, God has unveiled and revealed them by and through His Spirit. And look at verse 11. It says, no one perceives and understands what passes through a man's thoughts except the man's own spirit. Oh, just having a look at the time. Just so, we've got half an hour left, no one discerns and comes to know and comprehend the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God is going to search even the thoughts of God. So he knows the intent as to why God has given you what he has and what's to be done with it. That's why in Ephesians 2 verse 10 it says, We are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works. And we're to live the life that He's prepared for us, taking paths that He's prepared before time for us. So God has intent for our lives. And let me tell you, if we will walk those paths, we will have such unspeakable joy. The, it, it's, it's righteousness, peace, and joy. In God, led of the Spirit. Okay, look at verse 12. We have not received the Spirit that belongs to the world, but the Spirit who is from God, given us that we might realize... I'm sorry, this is Amplified. I hope it's helpful reading Amplified. I love Amplified. So that's what you're getting. (laughs) It's from God, given to us that we might realize and comprehend and appreciate the gifts of divine favor and blessing so freely and lavishly bestowed on us by God. We need to get to know the Spirit. Look what he says. We are setting these truths forth in words, not taught by human wisdom, but by the Holy Spirit, combining and interpreting spiritual truths with spiritual language to those who possess the Holy Spirit. Okay, so we know about our legacy. So what is it that we can do we 
can withdraw with full assurance, with full boldness, anything he's given us. We don't have to say, oh God, please can I have healing? No. Lord, it says in 1 Peter 2 verse 24, by his stripes we were healed. We don't ask God to heal. We just withdraw it and we just give it to whoever needs it. That sounds arrogant, but that's the way God's designed it. We, you know, in Mark, Mark 16, it doesn't say uh, these signs will follow those who believe. They will um, uh, meet a sick person. They will then pray to the Lord and uh, ask him to heal uh, the sick person. It doesn't say that. And yet I hear that over and over and over and over again. Lord, please heal him. No, it says they will lay hands on the sick and the sick will recover. They will speak with new tongues. They will trample, cast out devils. And they will trample on snakes and scorpions. Okay, we get a change as to the kingly bit of our we priests and kings. All right, so what are we looking at here? We don't ask God to do things. And I said the Lord's Prayer is old. That brought all that on. Okay, so the Lord's Prayer is old. I just repeat it. You got it. You agree. We pray in the name of Jesus. Okay, so people, I, I know, bless them. You've got a lot of places and they just recite in the Lord's Prayer. You know, they're saying, you know, forgive us our trespasses. You go to the, the, the last verse. I'm not sure what number it is. but It's the last verse in Ephesians 4. And it says, God has forgiven us. And you can go to Colossians 3 verse 13. It says exactly the same thing. Forgive others as God has forgiven you. We're forgiven. And go and read Hebrews 10 if you want to see how perfect the sacrifice is that God has done. So when, when I sin, I'm not pleading, I'm not cringing and getting all embarrassed. Okay, it does happen. It happens to all of us. We miss the mark. Big deal. We're going to put it right there. We're not going to stay in that place. And we're going to say, Lord, I missed it there. I recognize it. That's not according to your word. Help me, Lord. Help me to align with what you want done. I just receive. and I Because forgiveness is given. It's part of your inheritance. You just drag it down and take it. Withdraw it. Just say, right, I'm forgiven. I know it. God's forgiven me. It's in my bank account. I don't have to plead and beg for it. doesn't matter how many times I do wrong. There's abundance there. He's got enough forgiveness. But what I'm going to do is I'm going to address this issue that's reoccurring in my life. I look in the mirror of the Word and I see the truth and I absorb that and I say, Father, your Word, it might be that I've got a temper tantrum. Okay? I've just got temper that I'm, I'm wrestling with. I say, Lord, I see in your Word, I am love. Because you are love. God, the word says you are love. It says I am the same as you. As he is, so are we in this world. I thank you. I am love. Oh, my soul, I am love. I am love. I am love. And I confess the word. And guess what happens to me? Love blossoms and grows and forms and starts flowing. Because the Holy Spirit, the, the word is spirit and life. And it says that the love of God is deposited in our hearts. So just receive it. So, what was my point there? <laughs> All right. You just receive what God has given you. You can pray anything in confidence if it's, 
if it's in your inheritance. You don't need to beg. You don't need to plead. You just, I thank the Father and say, oh, thank you, Father. I'm drawing down that provision that you've made available to me. I'm drawing down that healing. I'm drawing down that, that grace that I can be patient. Grace for myself as well as grace for people around me. I'm drawing it down. I thank you. Grace abounds. And Titus 2, it says, the grace of God teaches us to reject sin. So receive it. Just receive it. And like we were saying at the Blackman's last night, receiving is not a passive thing. It's not like you're holding out your hand. Receiving is grabbing and making your own. The police don't receive the criminals. They grab them. They apprehend them. That's what the true meaning of that word is that's been translated receive in English. You grab. You take it. You hold it. Because the law tells us in Matthew 13 that when the seed is sown and we receive the seed, guess what? The devil comes immediately to try and steal it. And if you hold him and you say, you, out of here, that's mine. I'm keeping that. I refuse to let it go. Be gone, you, in Jesus' name. You grab and make your own. Right, let me do another point. We're not going to finish. <laughs> okay, so I've, and the next thing that we've got to get rid of is asking God to do what he's told us to do. Okay, so we've looked at what the believers do. Don't ask God to do it. Oh, God, please will you deliver this person? They seem to have a demon. No, he says, you cast them out. You do it in his name. He's given you full title to his name. That, that, the, the name of Jesus is power of attorney to move the power of heaven. So you've got the angels. You've got, that's why when we pray in that name, it's as if we are, I mean, as if Jesus himself is standing before the Father, which the Father sees us as Christ. I'll throw, I'll throw one in here. Galatians 3.27. It says, for as many of you as were baptized into Christ, into a spiritual union and communion with Christ the Anointed One, that's us, the Messiah, have put on, clothed yourselves with Christ. Now that sounds great. But what it actually means, it's like God has taken a big bag and he's put you in the bag. That, this is his clothing, okay? And then he grabs the top of the bag, closes it, and he seals it with the Holy Spirit. You're sealed in Christ. Now, when we look at ourselves now, I can see faces, I can see arms, I can see skin, I can see some feet, some legs, etc. You see, we can still see that uh, aspect of ourselves. God doesn't see that. He just sees this big bag that is Christ, sealed by the Holy Spirit. You hid in Christ. In Him we live and move and have our being. Look, look what the scriptures say. Oh, okay. 2 Corinthians 5 verse 16. Let me find it. Oh, you're a glorious people. <laughs> you really are. Look at this. 2 Corinthians 5 verse 16. I mean, I, I, can't, no, I can't miss verse 14. Sorry. We'll, we'll read verse 16, but we have to include verse 14. It says, The love of Christ impels me because we are of the opinion 
that if one died for all, then all died. You are not that other person. It's not you. It's like, I, I know I told a story in the book, and I was saying that a guy really assaulted a woman in a, in a small community. This is just a story. It's not true. I made it up just to demonstrate the point, but it's, it's real to life. He assaulted a woman, and she charged him with assault. And so he was taken to court, and he appeared in court, and um, the judges found out all the facts in the case, the witnesses. He did it, man. And the judge is about to say, guilty and sentence. And then the woman says, Your Honor, Your Honor, I withdraw charges. I just feel sorry for him. I, I, I just don't want to go through with this. So the judge says, okay, end of case, release the prisoner. So out he goes out in the street, and everywhere he goes, the people say, you know what that guy did? He is a rogue. He, he's a brute. He, he so hurt that woman. He shouldn't be on the street. It's just because she was so kind. And that man in his own mind is thinking, I did it. I know I did it. I should be in jail. So that's, he's under condemnation, which Romans 8 says we're not. But now imagine if as the judge, the same case, they've got to the point where they're sentencing and the judge is about to say, right, I found you guilty. Uh, and then someone, the door bursts open. Someone comes running down uh, into the court. I don't know if you're allowed to do that, but in this story you can. And, um, and he says, Your Honor, Your Honor, this is the wrong man. We've just heard the man who did this is dead. And the judge says, Oh, boink, case dismissed. You are innocent. Out of here. And the guy goes out into the street. And he's, he's happy that uh, justice has been done. And uh, the people in the town are talking say, Wow, isn't it wonderful that justice has been done and that the man's free and oh, we're so happy. This is, this is good and this is right. Well, that's what's happened to us because we are dead. We're crucified in Christ. Now we're alive. You cannot have condemnation if you read Romans 8. It says there's no condemnation. Why? Because we're dead. And if you read 2 Corinthians 5 verse 17, it says, if any man be in Christ, he is a brand new creature. You know, he sort of lives in the same house. He kind of looks the same, but he's altogether new. So there's no condemnation. All right, let's, let me just read these because it's taking too long. How are we going for time? 15 minutes. Okay, so we don't ask God to do what he's told us to do. We don't tell God. Another thing, we tell God the problem and we go into this long prayer telling God this happened and that happened and the other thing happened and we make sure all our prayer mates around us hear the same issues that we got and then we tell them how to fix it. Has anyone ever heard that? <laughs> I think Mary it's, I've heard. So that's not what we do. Okay, so we're not going to do that anymore. We, we're going to really, what we want to do is we want to see as he sees. Ah, I didn't read verse 16, did I? Look, consequently, 2 Corinthians 5, 16, from now on, we estimate and regard no one from a human point of view in terms of natural standards, with natural senses, natural perceptions, natural mindsets. It says, no, 
even though we did once estimate Christ from a human viewpoint and as a man, yet now we have no such knowledge of him in the flesh. No one includes yourself. So do not think of yourself as a mere human from a human point of view. Understand, you're a priest and a king unto God. You're a son of God. And you are actually perfect. The reason people think I'm not perfect is because they don't have a, uh, they're having an identity crisis. They don't know who they are. They think they're human. They think they're a soul who lives in the body and maybe has a spirit. Because the word says that. In 1 Thessalonians 5.23, Paul uh, prays for the Thessalonians. He says, may the Lord preserve you, spirit, soul, and body. We are spirit beings. That which is born of spirit is spirit. And we no longer estimate anybody from a human point of view. Oh, now here's another one. Praying the same request over and over. We don't have to do that. Because if you read Mark 11 verse 24, it says, it says, when you stand praying, whatsoever things you desire, believe you receive them. And they will be yours. So how do you believe? Same way as you received Christ. You believe in your heart and you confess with your mouth. That's why Philippians 4 verse 6 says, have anxiety or have no worries, it says, but present your petitions with thanksgiving. Why do you present your petitions with thanksgiving? Because as you present them, you've got them. But we're assuming, according to 1 John 5, 14, what you're presenting is in your inheritance. All right, so we don't pray the same request over and over because it's just, it's just showing unbelief. It's just full of unbelief. And you think unbelief's not an issue? Well, we know that uh, there was a generation that died in the desert. And if you read Ephesians 3, uh, not Ephesians, Hebrews 3 verse 8, it's speaking to Christians about the same issue. It's a wicked heart of unbelief. Unbelief is doubting the very character of God. So don't tell him over and over and over. What you can do, if, you, if, if things are taking the time, what I do, I just say, Lord, I just thank you that, that, that you gave me that thing I prayed. And Lord, if there's anything else you want me to pray, I just ask for the revelation if it's in that area. Something else needs to be done. All right, so let's go. I've got three left. So we're going to make it. We're going to land this plane on schedule. Getting as many people as possible to agree with you because this will move God, because he seems a bit reluctant. So what happens is we have a prayer list, and we have prayer friends, and we send out requests, please pray with us, please pray with us. Now, I read in the Scriptures, it says if two or three agree touching anything, it's done for them. So why we have to have thousands, I don't know. But it's because there is the mindset that God will be moved by many people praying. And there's an incorrect mindset that it's our faith that moves God. So if we want God to do something or we want something done and we, we have enough faith, he will move and he will do it. That's wrong thinking. Our faith is not to move God. God has moved. He's done what he's going to do. He has blessed us. He has forgiven us. He has given us an inheritance. He has stored up all these wonderful uh, uh, things for us, blessings for us in Christ. He's moved. So what does faith do? Faith is the vehicle 
that receives from what is yours in heaven and brings it into manifestation in the natural. That's what faith is, is about. It's the substance of things hoped for. In other words, it's the, the guarantee that that which you've hoped for, you've received. Now, faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word. So you've got to read the word and see that that's what God wants for you. Then you can pray with full faith. And your faith is not moving God. It's possessing what he's already given you and manifesting it into the, into the natural realm. I, I, I say it this way. Faith is the vehicle. It's like the delivery truck. Goes and gets the stuff up there and brings it here. And, you know, sometimes deliveries take a while. You order something and uh, it might have to be shipped. It might have to be uh, driven in a truck. Depends. Some things take longer than others. That's all I see. So have faith. Right, so we don't need lots of people praying like that. Okay, so, and then another thing I've just included in this list is when we we only have inward-looking prayers, self-centered prayers, focusing for self. What we want to do is we want to get to where we pray maybe that much or maybe less even for ourselves and that much for others. Looking out prayers. That's what's going to bring the kingdom. That's what I call apostolic prayers. Where it, it, it's, it's, it's sending out the word and it's changing people's lives around you. Okay. So then I'll give you the, uh, one last one and then we can... Uh, we'll just see what happens. Standing in the gap. Let's stand in the gap. How many times have people heard that? Let's repent on behalf of the sins of others. I have searched the scriptures. I have not seen it. What I do see in, in, in 1 Timothy chapter 2, and it's, uh, I think it's verse 4, it says there's one mediator between uh, God and man. In fact, let's read it so I can get it exactly right. 1 Timothy 2 verse... Oh, that's no, verse 5. Okay. So God wants all people to be saved. That's what it says... Um, And it says to discern, know precisely, and correctly divine the word of truth. Wow, that just reminds me of Hebrews 5, where it speaks about people who have their senses dull. And it says that strong meat is for those, you know, those who can discern. They practice to discern between good and evil. How do we do that? By the word of God. What is soul? What is spirit? That gets so mixed up in the church. Emotion. People say, oh, the spirit's moving. No, it's emotion. We must be moved by the Spirit. Our emotions must be a servant to what the Spirit does. I love it when people feel joy and and laughter and and, and when they want to jump. That's lovely. But it must be because the Spirit is is, is causing this to happen. And and revelation is causing it to happen. So let me just get to the verse 5. 1 Timothy 2 verse 5. It says, "There there, There is only one God and only one mediator between God and man, the man, Christ Jesus. Now tell me, we're in Christ. We're seated in Christ. So do we get out of Christ? Do we go and stand somewhere and say, I just want to confess the sin, and that sin, and that sin. It's got nothing to do with us. 
are we going to do that to Christ? Can you see Christ? Can you see Jesus getting off his throne and saying, Father, oh, forgive me for, for my ancestors have done this and done the other. No. The way we deal with that is in the Spirit, we have an advocate who is the Holy Spirit, and he presents the case before God uh, 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 on the basis of what the blood speaks, on the basis of what's been done uh, at Calvary, on the basis of the fact that um, the keys to, to uh, death and Hades have been taken away. And he presents in perfect accordance with God's will. That's what we do. We plead the case on behalf of others, praying in the Spirit, as per Ephesians six eighteen. So, I don't stand in the gap. I don't repent for the sins of others. But what I do say is, Lord, I'm going to pray in the Spirit because the Spirit himself intercedes in harmony with God's will, as per Romans eight twenty six and 27. And he prays in perfect accordance with God's will for the saints. Now, I, when I say saints, I see people, because we were saved before the foundation of the world. It might have taken in our lives, you know, a few years to get to that place where we caught up with God's, or attached ourselves to God's plan. And there's many, many people who, who are saints who have not yet quite got the realization that they're saints and haven't yet confessed with their mouths. But when the Spirit prays for them, He sees them in Christ. So there's, there's some things there that are a little foreign. That the mercy of God, the grace of God, is much greater than what we in ourselves can imagine. Because we think, wow, I can really be merciful. Well, God's greater. That's why I just want Christ to live in me. I want Christ to move me. I want to live and move and have my being in Him. So hopefully there's just some thinking here and what I'm saying is we have to base what we believe on Scripture. So if there's a, a scriptural reference or, or, or something that I've said that I haven't either justified through Scripture, then come and tell me. Come and support what I think is a holy cow and show me I'm wrong. Show me that, no, you must, for instance, repent on behalf of others. It's not in, I've never seen it. Maybe someone else has seen it. It's not there. I've just learned, don't accept anything you're told just willy-nilly. Because we have. We've been sold a whole lot of stuff in the body of Christ. We've been sold stuff that's not godly. That's why Paul, he just loved the Bereans. Because they checked the scriptures to see that what he was saying is true. It actually says they were the most noble Bereans. God loves it when we take his word as truth and will we take it as the found authority, not man. And my job is, is not to be an authority. My job is to bring the word of God. So that's what we're aiming to do. And we, we're aiming, so uh, time is nearly up now. There's a few minutes left. Um, we, we're going to, uh, the idea is just to break some mindsets um, or cause a shift just to, Let's just move into the greater dimension of God's grace. And know, wow, beyond what I... He's beyond what any of us have seen. No matter how long we've been in God. No matter how many experiences. There's, he's unsearchable. He's unfathomable. So there's room. Even if I've got 
mighty uh, men and women of God with great revelation. I'm saying, let's move into greater. Let's go deeper. Let's, Let's allow him to expand us. And so let's look at what does praying with God mean? Because surely, if we're the body of Christ, you know, my hands do what I'm doing. If I want to point, they point. And we've got to be like that. No longer be independent agents. but say, no, Lord. You know, in Colossians 3 verse 17, it says, whatever you do, no matter what it is, anything, do it in the name of Jesus. That's, that's getting radical, even for me, because I sometimes can go days of doing things without doing it in the name of Jesus. And then I catch myself, say, oh God, that was, I got distracted. So I'm, I'm getting better at it. <laughs> getting better at doing what we do in the name of Jesus. So let's pray. Father, we thank you for your wonderful word. We thank you for this wonderful inheritance we have in Christ Jesus in the saints. That we, Father, are a wonderful people because that's how you've made us. You've made us priests and kings. You've put your spirit in us, brand new creatures. We have the same life in us that you gave Jesus when you raised him from the dead. And thank you, Father, that we can eat, we can meditate on it, chew your word. And that word, Lord, works in us. Your word is working in us. Working in us. Releasing the energy, the power of God. Quickening our flesh. It's spirit, it's life. It's taking us from glory to glory. Thank you. Thank you for your word. We honor your word. We love to attend to your word. It's building us up. It's saving our souls. It's forming Christ and molding us into Christ. Thank you, Father. We are who you say we are. We believe. We have what you say we have. We believe, Father. And we can do what you say we can do. We believe. We honor you, Father. We reverence you. We are so glad we are yours. So glad you're our Father. So glad for the light. Your word brings light. That we are the children of light. You are light, Jesus. You're the light of the world. We worship you. We worship you. Thank you for your spirit. He's with us. You're in us, Lord. You're patient. You're kind. You are God.